Welcome to Just Saying, a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Just Saying podcast with uh, Pastor Terry Wagner. Um, my name is Allison Gardner. I am the producer, and we have Tyler Staten with us, our sound man. Um, today, we're talking about something pretty heavy, uh, sex and drugs. Mm, heavy. Yeah. That's, that's heavy, Doc. Yeah. I I think it's necessary, though. It is. Yeah. It's a, right. an important topic, uh, but I guess we can just head straight on into it jump on it all right so my first question is what exactly does the bible say about sex and drugs well uh to repeat the mission statement of this (laughs) podcast right this Mm -hmm. is the answers that i give are through the lens of scripture Mm -hmm. so i want to make sure and and state that right up front and the goal of this podcast is to try to stay under 45 minutes (laughs) (laughs) yes just saying just saying it's going to be really hard to exhaust this uh, this particular episode in in that short amount of time. So right. I will try my best. Right. Um, what exactly does the Bible say about sex? Well, I think it says two things about sex. One is that God wants us to procreate. God wants us to have children. God wants us to replenish the earth. Genesis one twenty eight. God blessed them, Adam and Eve. Said to them, "Be fruitful." And multiply. So I think that's number one. But it's not just about procreation. I think the second thing the Bible says is that it is meant to be joyful. It is meant to be an intimate experience between two people that are married. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Mm -hmm. So the Bible says procreate and it should be enjoyable, enjoyable. event between a married couple but the bible also says that that sex can be sin and when the bible talks about that of course talking about adultery which is sex outside of marriage or fornication which is sex before marriage uh, that those two are are wrong as a matter of fact hebrews 13 and 4 let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous one. Mm. So within a marriage, partners are meant to be faithful to God, faithful to each other. Then when it comes to this fornication thing, there's a verse that I'll read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It just simply says this, flee from sexual immorality. We said this, I think, last week on last week's episode. We're, We're told to fight a lot of sin. We're told to you know, be strong and get all the weapons and all those things. But then there's one sin we're told to run away from, and it's because we don't have the ability to fight that sin. Mm. We should flee sexual immorality or flee fornication, I think is what one translation says. Because every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but sexually immoral, a sexually immoral person sins against his own body. The body's not meant for sexual immorality. It just doesn't work that way. That same verse out of the paraphrase called The Message kind of says this way. It says, since we want to become spiritually one with the master, God, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, Hmm. leaving us more lonely than ever. Hmm. The kind of sex that can never become one. Fornication is the kind of sex that can never become one. 
He left his father and his mother to become one with his wife, but fornication can never lead to that. And so it, it was meant to be an, an incredible experience, and, and I'm going to say something here that I think that we need to hear, and I hope that we're all old enough to hear. <laughs> and, and that is, it was, it was meant to be such a, an enjoyable experience that God created the body with the most nerve endings mm, right. in, in, in reproduction or, organs. Yeah. He created sex to be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this was an accident that, that uh, the female reproductive organs ha- has 8,000 nerve receptors there, and, and the male, twice as many. Right. So I think he meant for it to be good, and, and it's unfortunate that we've made it such a bad thing. Matter of fact, growing up, and I know this is a long answer to the first question, <laughs> and we've we got our timer on over there. Um, we, we grow up and we have parents or guardians that say, and I think they say it well-meaning, but they say, listen, you need to stay away from sex. That's nasty. Mm, yeah. Mm. That's awful. Right. You should save it for marriage. Yeah. And then a lot of people go into marriage yeah. with that mind. This is nasty. Yeah. This more is a, awful. More of a scare tactic. Yeah. yeah. Scary. Yeah. And I don't think that, that that's the way God intended it. Right. So when I do counseling, I do a lot of premarital counseling as well as marriage counseling. The top two issues that I run into are sex and money. Mm-hmm. Those those are the top two. And and I think sometimes it's just because we're not well informed right, right. about the spirituality of sex. Yeah. It seems like such a taboo topic oh, for church. Yeah. yeah, oh well let's not talk about that in church. Right. Listen, yeah. let me if you're a parent listening to us or or if you're maybe a teenager that, you know, will become a parent someday, listen very carefully. If you don't talk to your children about sex, somebody will. Right. And who better to inform than either parents or the church? I do think the church has a responsibility. Yes. Uh, let me let me go back in time. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, and, and I was a youth pastor in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And back in that time, Josh McDowell had this big program, Why Wait? It was about why wait till after marriage to be sexually involved. So we did eight weeks with the teens, and then we did eight weeks with parents. Mm-hmm. And on the first week of meeting with the parents, we had about 80 parents in, in the class. And, and I asked, how many of your parents, now remember, I'm asking parents, how many of your parents talk to you about sex? One person. Wow. <laughs> One person. Crazy. So where are they learning it from? Right, yeah. Right. Learning it from the somebody. The locker rooms, yeah. Yeah. online. It's Me- crazy. Yeah. Uh, movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, magazines. I, I did... I know we I know we have to keep moving. <laughs> I did a junior high youth camp, mm-hmm. and I won't mention where it was at. Junior high youth camp. It was ages uh, eight to eleven, mm-hmm. and one of the evenings, my message was on protect yourself, and and it was about protect yourself from sex. And I was confronted after that by some people leading the camp saying that they didn't feel like that was the right topic for me to discuss with 8 to 11-year-olds. Listen, by the time children are 8 years old, they've yeah. already been they inundated. Know. Yeah. They know. And, and so I'm thinking, who better to tell them right. you know, yeah. than someone in, in a ministry position or church or, or parents? So uh, I think God intended it to be a great thing. We've turned it into an awful thing because we went outside of his boundaries and his guidelines. And right. so um, it, it, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. Right. 
All right. So going into something that is a really hot topic nowadays, especially just like addiction to pornography, to drugs, to alcohol, um, especially like you said, um, people are exposed to pornography at, as you know, at the age of eight yeah. to 12, that's the prime time right. to be exposed to something like that, uh, or even drugs. So does the temptation to relapse for those who do have an addiction become any easier for people once they become a Christian? I don't think, uh, becoming a believer in Christ or becoming in right standing with God, I don't think it immediately makes a person stronger. Mm-hmm. But but I do think that it, it leads us to strength. And it, it connects us with a community of faith. Uh, it connects us with people that can help us. And as we mature in the Lord uh, and become disciples, of course, I, I do think there is a spiritual element that gives us extra staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that one particular recovery program, AA, that my brother uh, Larry has gone through, you know, they, they have a higher power, but you're not allowed to identify that higher power. That higher power could be God for some people, but it could be your car you know, mm. for other people. But I think that the only real staying power and strength that you can get to overcome addiction of any kind, pornography, drugs, whatever it is, uh, overeating, mm-hmm. um, it, it comes through a spiritual element. And so let, let me say that, that God does not save us to be perfect. You know, I mean, a person that struggles with addictive behavior, the greatest weapon I think that the enemy uses against them is if they have a relapse or if they have a failure. Right. I want to say to that person, listen, get up and keep walking. Yeah. Because God did not uh, save you to be perfect. He just saved you to be in a right relationship with him. And relationships are difficult. I mean, any kind of relationship is. So I don't think immediately it helps a person to uh, prevent a relapse, but I think in time, you know, with, with the community of faith and, and the encouragement of others, it definitely will strengthen a person. But I think ultimately God is the one who will give that person the staying power to keep from, from relapsing. Right. Okay. So um, what are some effective ways to avoid even going on a path that would lead to um, sexual immorality or uh, taking part in drugs or alcohol abuse? Well, I think we talked about the most important one just now, and that is to have a commitment to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, to, to give your, your life to the Lord and believe that He can, can help you. So committing your life, but then can, getting connected to a community of faith. And when I say that, and I'm sure I'll say it many times over the next several seasons and episodes and however long we, we can do this, but when I say that, I'm not waving the Tri-State Worship Center flag. That's not that's not what I mean. Right, right. I just mean you need to find a community of faith that, that you can go to and learn from the Word and connect with that community of faith. Not just go to church on Sunday, but connect with them in a way that, that, that you can feel them pouring into you. Get connected to a community of faith that will encourage you and walk with you, help you, instruct you. Uh, I think... You know, commitment to Christ, connection to a community of faith, and then find somebody that can be an accountability partner. Yeah. Somebody that will hold your feet to the fire. And I, I do that with uh, some men that, that are in my circle of, of friends. Uh, I, I weekly hold them accountable. 
for what they watch, where they've been, what they see. Mm -hmm. and, and I think sometimes you, you can uh, help yourself stay focused by having that accountability partner that, that will, will hold you accountable. And in the cases where I've been involved in accountability, it, it works. But mm -hmm. commitment to Christ, connection to community of faith, and an accountability partner, I think, are three of the most effective ways uh, to help avoid going down the wrong path. Yeah, I think it's important, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're not alone in the struggle because, no. you know, that's the easiest way the devil is going to get to you is if you isolate yourself or even put yourself in the wrong circle of people. Absolutely. So having that community is vital, in my opinion. Well, it's just, you know, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and we've all seen the history channel or the animal planet channel and you know the lions and those the, those those predators they look for those that are weak or young and then they try to separate them out from everyone else and then that's who they attack right and that's just exactly how the devil works he he works that way uh, in trying to separate separate out the vulnerable the the ones who are just coming out of an addictive behavior uh a new Christian, and if he can isolate them, um, then that's where some real trouble can begin. So let me just challenge every believer that is part of a community of faith to always be on the lookout for those people. Mm -hmm. Always be on the lookout for those people that are the most vulnerable. And you have a responsibility. Right. It's not just up to them. You have a responsibility as a believer to make sure you pull up next to them and and, and walk with them and, and maybe be the person that holds them accountable. But realize that that's exactly how the enemy works is, is he tries to isolate us. And once he does that, um, an idle mind is the playground of the devil. And <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, in isolation, that's what happens. Right. Let me ask you a question. Okay. <clears throat> what would you say to the person who feels like no matter where they go or what they do, that they're going to be confronted with some sort of temptation mm -hmm. so they more or less become a, a homebody or you know what I mean they don't in, in enjoy their life because they're too afraid um, of the temptation yeah well uh, you know my brother Larry was a, a working alcoholic for 35 years and uh, one day he just got some different information from a doctor and from somebody else and he decided he was just he was going to quit and he went, and to this day, he's not drank again. He's involved in AA. He's a, a sponsor and a mentor to a lot of people. But he'll tell you it's it's just a daily, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I kind of make fun of it. It's not really funny, but kind of make fun of the fact I'll, I'll say, uh, so how's it going? He said, well, I haven't drank today. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is eight years right. after the fact, <laughs> yeah. right? I haven't drank today. And so I think sometimes if the enemy can get us to look at our surroundings and, and you know, listen to those voices, that it, it, it makes it easier uh, for a person to, to think that that's a constant thing. I, I would love to be a, a pastor that could just tell people that have come to know Christ and just say to them, listen, after three weeks of just reading your Bible really hard <laughs> and praying... You know, it's all go it's, it's going to go away, yeah. and we're just going to have angel wings <laughs> and wear diapers walking in the clouds. You know, 
but it, it's not that way, right. you know. It, it for all of us, not just for the right, person. Right, right, yeah. For all of us, it's a it's, it's a, a daily continual battle and battle. Yeah. But to that person, you know, obviously they're listening to the wrong voice. Uh, I remember driving down the road with someone that I've been uh, trying to help them through addict, uh, cocaine addiction uh, mm-hmm. for years, and. Uh, we're driving down the road in my truck, and, and he looks at me and he says, listen, my dad died in prison, my mom's been in prison, my brother's uh, died because of alcoholism, my sister, and he goes, this is just my, my the, the hand that's been dealt me, that's what, that's what he said. These are the cards that were given me. And, and I had to look at him and just say, listen, you, you are a liar. Right. And you're listening to lies, because that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. That's who the enemy has convinced you that you are. And this is such a, a big hobby, what, what do they call it, pet peeve, maybe we go back to <laughs> is that the, the enemy, if the enemy attacks anything first, he attacks our identity. Mm-hmm. Again, that's, that's Jesus comes out of the wilderness after he's baptized, and the first thing the devil does is say, if you really are the Son of God. Now listen, if he's going to question, try to get Jesus to question his identity, be assured he's going to yeah. get us to do the same thing. Yeah. And and so I think that a person that struggles with that, it's a real struggle. I'm not trying to say, listen, it's psychosomatic and you can, you know, just hum a few bars of something and it's going to go away. I'm saying it's real. Right. But I also know that it, where it's coming from, the source right, right, of where right. it's coming from. And so I, I think that person needs to recognize it. The people that are around that person needs to recognize it and be an encouragement to that person and help them understand, listen, it, it's a struggle, but right. we're here for you. Exactly. We're going to mm-hmm. walk with you. Right. We're going to help you get through that. Yeah. So uh, one of the most common things that I hear about as a teenager um, is, you know, well, God tells us not to have sex before marriage or to drink or do drugs because he just doesn't want us to have fun. You know, like that's the only way we're going to be able to get that high. And Mm -hmm. it's not that big a deal. Is that true? Is that biblical? Why does God set these boundaries? I know the popular view is that God is this big killjoy in the sky and he just does not want you to have fun. In reality, the best help that you can give a person in any circumstance, and we said it last week, is to set boundaries, mm-hmm. right? To have those boundaries. And, and God gives us that. He gives us those boundaries in the ways of protection and provision. Protection and provision. The Bible, you can read it all through, and, and it'll tell you. And, and a silly illustration, and I've used it maybe too many times, is the goldfish in a, in a fish bowl that's sitting on the mantle, Right? He's, he's protected, and he has provision because people come up and give him a little splash of food every now and then. But he sees these people walking in and out all the time, and he's like, man, I want to I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So one day, get the fish food, he eats it up, he swims to the bottom of his bowl, and he swims as hard as he can out the top, and, and out he goes. And he says, I'm free, I'm free, <laughs> and, until he hits the floor. Right? Aww. Right? Yeah. I, know, I know, I'm sorry. Poor guy, don't, poor little guy. Don't send me emails and text messages about being a, But that, that, that's our problem is, is that we see God too often as being limiting when he's really liberating. Right. You know, because he says, listen, I want you to operate within these bounds. Uh, let's go back to the sex uh, issue. When when it's operated or done outside of marriage, you lessen 
the specialness of it. Right, right. God wants you to save that. that. He wants it to be an incredible thing in the marriage bed. And so he sets up some parameters and some guidelines so that it can be that. Mm-hmm. But when we take it outside of the marriage bed, because we think we want to have fun, mm-hmm. that's that's the, the end result way too often is not just having fun. And same way with the drug addiction or pornography addiction, whatever the case might be. See, our problem is we see God as restrictive, but he's not restrictive. He's really liberating because he says, listen, Adam and Eve, I created this garden for you. Mm-hmm. And you can eat from any tree. That's what he said. You can eat from any tree except one. Mm -hmm. That one is not good for you. So I don't want you to eat from that one. Now, think about that. I I don't know how many trees there were in the garden, but let's just say there was a hundred, just for the sake of conversation. So they have a hundred trees they can eat from, and one that they're not supposed to, because God says that's not good for you. And so what does the enemy do? You know, he talks to us, tries to isolate us. He says to Eve, did God really say mm-hmm. you can't eat from any tree? Well, that's not what God said at all, right? God said you can eat from any tree. But if the devil can get us to start questioning that, and of course I'm in a series on Sunday mornings, who told you that? And that's why this is kind of fresh on my mind. Yeah. But you know, Genesis chapter 3, the enemy says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any tree in the garden? Did God really say you cannot? That, and that's not what God said, because you back up to Genesis chapter 2, and he says you may freely eat from the fruit of every tree in the garden except one, because that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what happens to us when it comes to the issue of sex or drugs or alcohol or all these things, is that God has created this wonderful world where he has set up some protection and some provision for us. And and instead of us trying to realize how liberating that is, listen, when I know on the football field, when I know that there's a goal line, Mm -hmm. there's an out-of-bounds line on each end, that's liberating to me (laughs) because now I know how hard I have to work to get to play that game. Where you can and can't go. Right. What what are you going to do when you put 22 guys on the field and say just – Play some How games. about it? Chaos. Sports ball. Right. <laughs> uh, you'll have to make that reference uh, to our youth camp. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree that it's liberating, but it really, if you think about it, it's also it's so loving. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. You know, he gave us a free will because he wanted us to choose relationship with him, mm-hmm. but he also knew in giving us that that there's a possibility we're going to choose the wrong thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It's just just as any good parent would do. Right. You warn your children yeah. of the the pitfalls, and right. you know. I'm so glad you said parents because, you know, I think even the Bible says, you know, a child that doesn't receive discipline, right, right, is yeah. an illegitimate child. Yeah. It's not even, that's not love. No, it's not. And and but yet we have parents that think that, well, let me just I'm, I just want my child to make up his own mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't I don't know that you're really showing love mm-hmm. if you're not going to lead your child, if you're not going to help instruct your child. Yeah. If you're just going to say, listen, just go have fun, do what you want to do. I, I know situations that throughout the years where parents have set up drinking parties yeah. at their house. It yeah. happens. I've, I've heard of it from and, my school. And, yeah. and, and, and they justify it by saying, well, they're doing it under my watchful right. eye. And they're only young once. They're going to have all these struggles yeah. when they're older, so they might as well live it up if, now. If they didn't do it here, they'd do it somewhere else. Right. And, and those are all great 
justifications, <laughs> right? That's exactly what they are. But that's all yeah. it is, is justification. It's still, I mean, you know, my, my children never experienced a nuclear explosion, right? <laughs> Here, kids, take this bomb. <laughs> and you're only going to go around once in life, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're going to play with explosives, <laughs> at least do it at home. Do it this way, you know. <laughs> So, so I just, I think, again, and, and yesterday's message is still fresh on my mind, that we did a closing service for our youth camp uh, called Suffuse, and, and it, it's, it's so fresh on my mind that we don't, as believers today, I don't think we set good enough example mm-hmm. for younger parents, those parents' children, to, to really know that God's not this killjoy in the sky. He wants us to have life. Why does the Bible say he wants us to have life and have it to its fullest? Mm-hmm. If, if the fullest means to him <laughs> right. that you, know, no you can't have no fun. <laughs> but but here, here's where I'll, I'll end my part of answering that question. <clears throat> Who is it that's trying to decide whether that's fun or not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are. Right? Yeah. Our his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so who says that God's provision and his protection is is bad or not fun? Who says that? We do. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it kind of goes to a child maturing and you're trying to teach your child to do the right thing. It's the same thing with us <laughs> and God. And so I would leave it with the question of don't you think God knows better? Right. What's good for us than mm-hmm. we do? We do. Yeah. You know, because we're so easily swayed, mm-hmm. so easily swayed. And, and God's saying, I want to provide for you this environment where you can have life and have it to its fullest. Mm-hmm. I want to protect you against addiction, sexually transmitted diseases, uh, pregnancy outside of the nuclear family all these things that overdose happen. overdose i just i just went to the hospital saturday morning and visited with someone who had to be narcan and, and brought back to life because because of an overdose mm-hmm. and wouldn't it be better to not have that happen in the first place i know i said that was the last thing but this <laughs> this just came to my mind it really is this one's this, last this one. is really the last <laughs> one. all the people that i've talked to that are deep into addiction okay mm-hmm. They all say the same thing. They're always chasing that first high, mm-hmm. whether that was a, a marijuana, cocaine, alcohol, pornography. They're always chasing the first high, and they never attain it. Mm-hmm. And so why not set up some protection and provision to keep that from happening? I know a great testimony is, you know, the Lord delivered me from alcoholism and delivered me from drugs and sex. and That's a great testimony. But a better testimony is the Lord kept me from ever doing any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's the real testimony is to believe that he set this up as, as liberation, not limitation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just that. I like that. that. Just saying. There's a sermon there somewhere. Somewhere in there. I'm sure it's going to come out. They both start with L's. (laughs) The L's. I'm going to have to come up with two more, though. Got to have four. At least four, yeah. 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 Love, Love. limitation, liberation, Um, libation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. Why not? Um, all right. So to close us out with our last question, mm-hmm. um, for people who are um, deep into addiction, like you said, or are on that path, 
leading up to that? What is the best way to help those people? The best way to help them, of course, is is to get them to a point. The first step in any recovery program, I don't care what it is, the first step in any recovery is I have to admit I have a problem, a problem that I can't control on my own. I don't care if that's AA, Celebrate Recovery, NA. The first thing you have to do is admit I've got a problem. So I think we have to help that person get to that point where they recognize, yes, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that being established, the person does recognize that. I, I, I know this might sound like I have it out of order, but I think the very first thing we have to try to communicate to someone is that we're not judging them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be judgmental towards that person. Um, one of the top three reasons why unbelievers don't come to church is because they see the church as being judgmental. Exactly. Right. And and I don't want to be judgmental. And in, and in and that, I think, opens up a door for them to share their story with you so that you can better help them. Uh, you need to listen to that and, and learn from that. I think, uh, obviously, leading them to a relationship in Christ, if they don't already have that, is crucial because of all the recovery programs that work great. There's that element called spirituality that can only come through Christ that really is the, the dynamic that sets you over the top. That's right. the one that, that really sets you free. Walk with them. Uh, when they fall, if they fall, help them back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said this yesterday morning, you know, the, unfortunately too often in the church, our motto is, you know, when a person's down, just step on them. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the exact opposite of what Jesus would do. Mm-hmm. I think he would say, let's get up, let's keep walking and uh, get them, lead them to Christ, get them to a recovery program, whether that's, AANA, Celebrate Recovery, whatever the case might be. God needs to be in the mix of that recovery program, whatever it is. But I think the best thing that we can do is, is just don't be judgmental, hear their story, learn from their story, lead them to Christ, and then walk with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just realized I skipped a question, and I really want to hear your answer to oh, this, so oh I'm going to ask it real oh quick. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Tyler can edit it. Back <laughs> I'll put no. it in the right order. <laughs> All right. This is the last question. Um, Whatever. You said that before. <laughs> so is it wrong for Christians to party um, if they don't participate in drinking, having sex, or doing drugs. So going to the party but not participating right. in some of the activity that's going right. on. Well, let, let me rephrase the question and see if you agree with my rephrasing, and then I'll answer it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Will a believer who is at a party where this activity is going on and suddenly goes into eternity miss heaven? Hmm. Will, that, will that believer who's at that party... Not participating in the activity, but activity is happening there. And whatever reason they they die, are they going to miss heaven because they were at that party? I think that's it, it, is is that the essence of your question? I mean, why? I, I, um, no, I don't. I, maybe I don't really know. <laughs> well, you, you know well, what I'm saying. Well, you could answer it, I guess, in two in two different ways. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Bible scholar, right? <laughs> but I don't what? think I don't think that would qualify you uh, to go to hell. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't think that right. would that would. I, I don't either. Yeah. yeah. But just just as he warned Eve in the garden, you know, stay away from that tree. Not stay away from that tree, but don't eat from that right. tree. Right. And then she put herself in close enough proximity yeah. for 
for somebody to insert that question mark into her life. Right. And 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 you kind of you put yourself in a similar situation when you go to those kind of places. Right. Yeah. And and I agree. And can, are some people strong enough? Yes, but others may not be. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't think you know. I don't think a person going to a party who is a believer where that activity is going on, I don't think that disqualifies them for heaven. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? But uh, Proverbs chapter 6 says, Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? Right. And so let's, let's tag that with what you said last week. Uh, Allison, I'm point, I pointed to Allison. I realized we're we're just audio. Uh, what you said last week, and that is, it's a lot easier to be pulled down than it is to lift up. Right, right, yeah. right. And so you you tie that in with this, and yeah. I think Solomon, you know, he was the wisest guy that's walked the planet. Mm-hmm. He says, "Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire?" You know. I, I know if he's wearing a flame retardant suit. <laughs> I don't think they had those back. I don't think, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I think the other question that you have to ask in that situation is intent. What? Yeah. Why well, would why I? Why are go? you going to the party? Why would I? Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to lead people yeah, to the Lord. That's, really? That sounds noble. Yeah. But again, uh, it's easier to be Dangerous, pulled down yeah. than to be pulled up. Yeah. So I don't know that that can be it. Uh, well, I just want to make friends at school. Right. Well, is is that really the circle of friends that you want to have? Mm-hmm. Are the friends that are you know doing those kinds of things when that's not something that you would believe in? So, yeah. you know, I just think that we should spend that time and that energy pursuing things that we do believe in and that we are part of. I'm not going to sit here and say that it disqualifies a person for heaven if they're at that party and that stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. But I, I am saying, you know, you need to search your heart and find out what's what's the intent here. Why, why are you there? I mean, um, don't let your good be evil spoken of. Um, and what I mean by that is here's a person that's a believer. They go to the party. They don't participate in any of that stuff, but they walk out with two other people that are, you know, falling down drunk. Mm-hmm. And someone from their church drives by and sees them walking out of that house with these two people that are falling down drunk. Yeah. And all of a sudden, your good will be evil spoken of. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying the people in the car have the right to go, well, look at there, there's Allison. She's <laughs> right. drunk again. <laughs> but it happens. You know, but it, yeah. do, it does happen. Yeah. And so, uh, again, that's God's way of protecting us and providing for us. He's saying, listen, don't let your good be evil spoken of. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think I would try to avoid that situation. Um, why why not have a party at your house the same night where there's not those things going on right. and, yeah. and invite people to come and say, listen, you, just like the the uh, prom that we had here for Journey Students. I was just thinking of that mm-hmm. as you, you know? were speaking. You know? I mean, that, look how look how relaxed and the absence of anxiety and stress and pressure that there was because we knew that prom was here at church. And for those of you listening, <laughs> yes, we had a prom. And there was dancing at and the, the church. And the pastor danced with his wife. And the pastor danced <laughs> with the song that he requested. <laughs> um, just saying. So, But yet all of that pressure was gone. All of that anxiety was gone because it's at church and you know what to expect. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's, it's amazing how last week and this week kind of dovetail when it mm-hmm. comes to boundaries and protection and guideline and provision. 
And so um, I, I think the, we really took a lot longer to answer that question <laughs> than I thought. But I don't think it disqualifies a person to be at that party. Yeah. I just want to know the intent. What, what's the purpose? There's, right. no, there's no real good reason for that person to be there. Yeah. It all boils down to one of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Yeah. Is you going to this or going to this party, is that going to glorify God? Because if you can honestly answer that yes, then, hey, have at it. But really, if your heart is, you know, just think about it. Just what's the heart behind it? But um, I think that's, oh, go ahead. Well, i just throw out one more verse since you said that. (laughs) You know, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, everything is permissible for me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Everything's permissible, Mm -hmm. but not everything is beneficial, Mm -hmm. right? So again, it's it's permissible. I'm not going to miss heaven necessarily because of it, but is it beneficial to me, or is it just something I want because I feel like I, you know I need that, or I need that interaction, or I want people to think I'm cool, or you know whatever the case might be. It's permissible, but is it beneficial? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where the intent comes in. Right. All right. That was that was great. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, if you have any uh, questions or uh, topic suggestions, uh, next week we are going to be talking about anxiety. So if you have any specific questions on that topic or you have any topics to suggest, you can email pt at twagner977 at gmail.com. Wagner spelled W-A-G-N-E-R. Thank you. Um, but yeah, just email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you for joining us.